May the abundance, intentional and purposeful grace and love of God be yours today as we gather around his word and we continue to look at the aspect of why we matter and that God wants to produce through us. So last week we, we looked at, and Pastor Ted kind of got us started in the idea of God wanting to produce, and, and the thing that stood out to me, and I don't know about you, but was the whole foundational piece, the fact that we have a foundation of God's love and grace. And so when we think about our own track of giving, where we may be today already or where we are moving or how God has worked in our lives, we, we've already approached and thought about that first time of giving. Well, and for some of us, we may be working into that, but what it takes and, and what foundationally we think of when, it, when it's taking something that we believe belongs to us, but then knowing it belongs to God, how do we release that into God's care? Or occasional, we, if the mission of God has caught us in such a way that we say, well, I see this as beyond just something I do uh, for somewhere, but that I really, as a part of the people of God, the community of faith, the mission team of resurrection, I have something that begins to uh, inch into my uh, very part of my being and perhaps working through you know, decisions I've made or will make in terms of my giving to God. And today we're thinking intentional. And in some ways it just comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You'll hear about this verse next week. But out of that, there's a, in the middle of this, it says these words, that each one should make a decision. That is that there's an intentionality about how we go about not just giving but life. Now intentionality... Just to let you know, you know, we're always involved, I hope, in being intentional, right? When we go about life. Pastor Ted is reading from this children's devotional, and I know it's a little above his head, but I think he was willing to get that so he could, you know, reach his children, right? Isn't that an important thing? Because when you think about our spiritual lives and, and being able to have devotions with our kids, we sometimes go to something like that, even though it's above our adult thinking to be able to reach children. And there's an intentionality. There's intentionality when you got up this morning because you made an intentional decision to come and worship. We're intentional at resurrection because there's several things we have to look at in terms of things, even like staffing. As we look ahead, it's not just looking ahead of what we have today and what's currently uh, moving and working and that we're enjoying in terms of supporting the people of God, but also thinking out five years and 10 years. And, and one of the things that we're intentionally working on right now, for instance, is our friend Vern here will be officially, some of you may be aware, some may not, but be going into this thing called retirement. Well, I know he's not very good at retirement, He's also not very good at this because he wishes I was talking about anything other than this right now. Yes, I know. But because of that shift that Vern is making in his life, and Grace will be in my office every day going, can you do something with him, please? Um, that means something for us as well. What, in terms of what God is doing today through music and worship, uh, both here and through our families, what is it that's next? And so this has been something we've been talking about intentionally for quite a while. And so we, if someone ever walks up to you and says, hey, we heard you're looking for a music person or you're looking for a director of celebration. Well, that's because, in a sense, this week we're going live across the United States and with other Lutheran congregations even this week in Phoenix, Arizona, connecting with people and saying, and asking the first question, how are we intentional about what God has formed uniquely in this congregation for mission and what that would look like now in the next place. 
if you're not intentional, you wake up one morning in June or July and go, oh, wow, Pastor Ted, you're now leading the choir because of your singing abilities. And uh, I'm going to pick up the guitar quick for late service and, you know, start strumming. You, know, you have to be intentional. And it affects a lot of areas because our intentionality is not only on people, but it's also on the resources of both a budget and it's on the resources of volunteers. And so we've had a number of shifts that we're making to try and be ready for the next person, but also utilize the great gifts of God that we have here while also being careful because we've been in a good place with our budget, but also when you look out, you say, well, you don't want to be someday saying we weren't thinking about this and we have to lay off half the staff because we weren't considering what is the culture, what are the costs, all those kinds of things. It makes you go back and think about Jesus who says, you know, woe to the man who goes out to build a building and doesn't consider the cost. He gets up halfway and goes, oops, don't have enough. So we're going to be considering a lot of things, and part of that wraps around the fact of Vern's change in life and his entering back into here as a member versus a staff person. But uh, we also know that we all have to continue to be intentional. And intentionality is a little bit about what today is, too. Why we matter is, is our intentionality. My intention today would be this, is to share some stories. Now, I'm going to know fairly early, I suppose, if these stories are connecting with you or not. And probably no matter what happens with connecting with you, I'm going to keep going because I don't have a plan B, okay? So if you don't like my stories, uh, I guess get your phones out and act like you're looking at your Bible. I don't know what to tell you because this is only plan. There's only a plan A. That's all I got, okay, on intentionality. So... And we'll have some Bible. So here's how it's going to flow. I'll just might as well tell you. So I'm going to tell a few stories. And then I'm going to bring in three Bible passages. And we're going to connect the stories and the Bible passages in terms of my walk with understanding what it means to be intentional. Okay? You with me? Okay, here's intentionality too. I found out when you're 60, you cannot go out for Saturday night at 5.30 and eat rich food at Pelly Pelly and feel like standing up the whole time. I'm just getting too old for this, so I'm going to get a chair. This was not intentional or planned, and I'm going to sit down, and the reasoning behind this is this is like sitting in my living room, and you're just sitting around, and does that sound like a good idea? If I'd have done it that way, it would have been great. We're just going to sit around and hang out together. By the way, isn't it great back there? Nobody can see you. You can make whatever faces you want. Okay, I may get up in a minute, but I'm, I'm tired. I'm sorry. There we go. You feel more comfortable? I do. Okay, so let's back way up into the dawn of time when I was a child. Got my first job, sixth grade. And of course, when you're a child of a preacher and you're in sixth grade, where do you get a job? At the church. And here's how it came to be. In those days, Caesar Augustus, no, that's the wrong one. <laughs> it was right after that. So in those days, there was this church that had three and a half to almost four acres, a large place, and no hogs to come out and mow it. And so they had this nice big yellow, I think it was Massey Ferguson mower, and no way to get this thing mowed. And so what they did is they put out a sheet saying, who would mow this for the big number of $50 a month? And of course, the line just formed immediately. 
way back to just me. I mean, I was the only one who showed up and said, sure, I'll do that for $50 a month because I'm sitting there calculating, you know, it's, it's uh, Rocky Mountains. It's really only growing season mid-May. Maybe it's into September. I get four months. Four months times $50 is 200 Some of you said something else. Go back and get your math skills taken care of. So $200. Now, here's the problem. Here is the problem. I had two problems, really. First problem I had is my mother says to me, uh, you know, your little brother could do some things for you. And, of course, I was just immediately not thrilled, especially when she had the suggested price for what I would pay him. So I'm thinking, A, what will he do? And, B, he's the laziest creature on earth. So I don't know what I'm going to get out of him at all. So my mother gave me the price range of how this was going to handle. You get $50 a month, you keep 35 he gets 15 I was going to get $200 in my savings account because I don't spend money. I could see and taste that $200 in my account. It's already shrunk to $140 for practically nothing happening different than me doing all the work anyway. So I'm, I've lost money. Now, some of you are out there going, well, get used to it. That's when the government's going to be taking and sliding their money in your pocket. And we talked about that last week with Pig. I know. I know, but then, you know, you don't even think about it until later when you get the first check in your hand, and there was no money because it was so little. Nobody was taking anything out except for me. Going to the bank, $50 check, 35 in my hands, 15 for little brother, who up till now only mows with a little mower for trimming about 10 minutes, and then he skips off home. Now, I'm mad at him, but then my mother, this is family life, so just excuse us with all our things. So my mother, wanting to be supportive of both of us, takes up all the work for nothing that he should have done. So I can't complain too loud because I'm able to ride on this big old mower and I don't have to get off and do the little, the little stuff, right? I get to have the raw, big mower, which meant I got to go personally, kind of like the hogs, and mow off every head of the sprinkler system as I want it. And it was cool because nobody ever made me fix the heads. I don't know how they got fixed. I think it was magical. You know, it's a church, so at night, little angels would come in and fix the heads, put them back there for me for next week. But here's the question, because my mom, again, sees that I've gotten a check, and she asks me, not my brother, but asks me, maybe she did him on the side, so what are you doing about your offering? This is just getting worse, you know. I started out with $200 by the end of summer, and now I'm going to get $140 in the summer. Oh, and by the way, I had to pay for the gasoline out of my pocket, okay? Now, don't get too worried because gasoline at that point, I could take a quarter to the gas pump, fill up a gallon. I still had six cents left, so I could buy those little burnt peanuts. So 25 cents wasn't a big hurt. But anyway offering. Now, how's a kid, and how do you, or how do you, as you look at your kid, how do you think about this whole aspect of offering? I had my favorite charity, me, <laughs> but I didn't think that's what mom meant. So I began to think about this. So I held back 
and don't ask me why, but because I made the $50, I held back five. And I stuck it in the top drawer in an envelope and prayed that Jesus would help me forget that it was his. <laughs> now, the reason I did five is because every week since I've been way little, I'd watch my dad go over to the dining room table, pull out his checkbook, and he would write in that checkbook a check. And you couldn't tell from far distance, so over time I began to figure out ways to sneak over and talk to him. That's more than my $5. And so then after a while, because I had no idea what we made and I didn't realize we were poor at that time either, but I said, so what you doing there? He said, I'm, I'm putting in our, our tithe. And I said, oh, what's, what's a tithe? Because I have several of them down in the closet that mom keeps buying me. And he says, no, a tithe is, is giving first fruits and, and 10%. So I said, that's 10% of what you make? He said, yep. Hmm. Okay. Now, obviously, that was already working in my head before. Otherwise, I wouldn't have held out $5. But I had to ask myself, can I afford $5? I mean, that's a lot of, don't you think that's a lot of money? When you start out with 50 your, the union head just stripped $15 out of your, your pocket, and now God has this thing that he talks about giving, and, and I'm taking $5. So let's do the math here. For those of you who can, you can take your shoes off if it helps to wiggle your toes. $50 minus 15 minus 5, I'm down to how much a month? 30, good, you passed the test. $30, so I saved almost every bit of it, except remember I had to also get gas at a quarter, and maybe I did steal that out of the change thing that was in my parents' kitchen, but we'll assume I had to take it out of mine. So when I'm done, you know, I'm, I'm over 100, but less than 120. Learned several things. One was is that you need to learn to live life on less money than you think. All the second thing I learned was never hire family. <laughs> and the third thing I learned is let, never let the family member be tied into a union that's run by your mother because you can't get out of this no matter what. So there's, there's my early childhood learning. So giving a percentage, being intentional to hold it aside as the check came, and then, of course, the important things of don't hire family, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we won't even get into the time that my brother stole one of my $5, so I had to go back and get another 5 But, you know, God did teach me, too, that he's, he's bigger than that, you know, in being intentional, even with the savings, how that and going in grew and become, became something even more than I could expect as time went on. And I had this summer job, by the way, for like four years. So I was in the big cash. Why Ursula married me, I had big money. <laughs> so you fast forward to, we'd been in the seminary and, and uh, you know, living on, uh, she was in school, I was in school, uh, paying out because I'd been a saver, had made money elsewhere. We did really, really well. God had blessed us. Uh, didn't have any educational debt and uh, came with savings into our first call because uh, 
we were going to be making the big money when I got called to, to Manchester and Delaware. It was a dual parish. They split my salary 60-40, and my salary was $13,000 a year. This was 1984. So again, making really huge money now. So I'm you know beyond the $50 a month, barely. And uh, we have this coming in. Now, the wonderful thing about this, and don't forget when you're up in the Midwest and this church has been around, we had a house that we were able to live in. So we weren't trying to buy a house, rent a house. We were blessed to have a home to live in. Plus, I mean plus, 13000 can you say that? $1,000. That's amazing. So we gave off of that. We gave 10% uh, off the, the money. The churches paid 60 40 so I get one check halfway through and the other check the other half through. So you'd be really excited for the 60% or kind of like, oh, that's right, I'm getting 40% this week. Ooh. And, so, and yet God blessed that. And, and we saved money and started to do the foolish thing of having children. And so they cost money. We had only oh, four. I'm not talking to you. Okay. So, you know, this is coming along. Well, then I get a, a phone call from Texas. Actually, at the time that we were coming to resurrection, I think we had like 23 letters, notes, and phone calls saying, would you be our pastor? So after a while, we kept thinking, I guess God wants us in Texas. And then spring Texas, which I kept saying, this is not going to work because uh, at this point, we have two children and Ursula is as the Bible says, great with child. Because David was going to be born in April of 90, and this all started happening in the winter. And we came down and visited. It was wonderful people. We had dinner over at the Polly's house with a bunch of folks. And I remember Carolyn looking at us because we were young and little kids, and she said, so how many kids are you going to have? Because it just looked like, how are you ever going to do this? And, and you were just very, always very encouraging, but that was one of your questions. It's just... How far are you going with this? And I'm thinking, we weren't planning on this one. David was not planning. We don't want no more of these things. Maybe a dog, but no more kids. Even thought about trading David for a dog. Nobody wanted him. <laughs> so we come here, and uh, the, the uh, paycheck is now $29,000, which is, whew, I mean, just climbing up there. And uh, we're buying our own house and, and going through this. And I'm getting to this because of, uh, you've all been at different places and stages of school, different places that, in terms of cost. And I'm always very intentional in terms of trying to say, so what's this going to cost us? And so I checked out things like insurance, which was three times what it was in Iowa. I checked out, you know, housing costs. I looked at, you know, what if we want to buy a house? And if any of you have been through that process, I mean, you're really trying to get your arms around, you know, you want to make sure at the end of the day you can feed yourself and your children, right? And what was exciting is we were showing up and everybody told us about buying houses at dirt cheap money because of that oil thing that went on in the 80s, you know, where everything went. Well, we got here a little late for that, but it wasn't still too bad. So we thought we had it all kind of figured out, but at the end of the day, by the time you take what I make and subtract 15.3% for Social Security, 10% for offering, and the kids kept wanting to eat, go figure, uh, it was like we were, we were below sea level. So it was a good thing we'd saved. And this is why I would tell all of, all of you, intentionality, save, 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 because no matter what you think you're going to figure out, it doesn't always work out. And we were not living extravagantly. The first house we bought in Cypressdale, 
we paid our whole mortgage was six hundred and fifty dollars and that was at nine and a quarter percent interest and yet we were below water now at that time and this is where intentionality tries to fit in how do you do life because there was many times my in my head my thought was do we take less than 10% so that we cannot take out that money in the savings because the savings will run out? Have you been there ever? I mean, you're, you're kind of trading bills and things like that? Which one do you do? Which one don't you do? Well, by God's grace, there were changes. I, I became the senior pastor. My, my pay went up a little while, a bit, and, and so things got to the point where after about eight years, we'd stop drawing out of savings and we were actually able to live on and saved a little. And then, uh, and I'm curious, how many were you here when we, this building here got built? How many were you here at Resurrection? Not a, not a lot of you, huh? Or as many as we might think. So it came into a building program. And we hired somebody to tell us how to raise money. For those of you here, you might remember that. And I remember the meeting where, you know, as we're going through this, and I'm trying to figure out in my head how I'm going to do this, and had talked to Ursula, and, and because I always think things through, we were getting rid of some debts that we had put into the house, and it was just going to all work out swimmingly well, and then some stuff came up that just shot it out of the water, and basically we're back to zero based. And the guy who asked me to, uh, in the sermon, let people know as they're giving, he said, I need you to tell people what you are giving. Now, no one was saying, Steve Polly, would you stand up and tell us what you're giving? No one said, Jack Waters, your turn. Get up here and tell people what you're Me! I thought, no wonder they hired this guy. He has, everything goes back to me. I don't understand what I'm going to say on this one. And, the, you know, do I just line the three children up and go say, I'm going to give the Lord? It happened in the Bible. Samuel got given to the church. Maybe I could just give the three kids and say, here, I just give all I have. You can have the children. Ursula was actually fairly for that at this point. But what do you do? And after fighting and foisting and everything else, I stood up and said, well, despite the fact that we're giving 10% to the Lord off this salary, we commit for three years 10% more. Now, this was the dumbest thing I've ever done because I had no idea where 10% more was going to come from. I'm used to living off of 90%. Sometimes we've given more with other things that's gone to, but never lived off 80%. Now, at this point, I should probably look at you and say, are these stories at all helpful? Or did you check out thinking about the Broncos going for Joe Flacco as their quarterback? Are you living my life at all here, or at least finding someplace? I hope so. But I said that, and then we had to do that. Because that's, that's what I said. You know, that's the biggest thing is I said it in front of hundreds of people. We're going to give 10% in addition. I don't know today to today how that happened because it worked. There was a few months in there because Ben was going through uh, getting MRIs all the time that we had to dip back into savings again. But somehow, by the grace of God, we made doing 80%. Now, on top of that, and I've got to tell you what kind of underwrites all of this to some degree is, 
is another influence in my life is my grandparents and my parents because when my grandparents were alive, they would sell pecans and then split a check out to all the kids and grandkids. And once I married, I got a double portion. I said, this is paying off already. But sometimes not as big as you might think or have in your head, but that little piece sometimes was that little kiss from heaven that came along when we were going, I don't know how we're going to get any further with this. The other thing was later after my grandparents died, my parents also would do something special. It wasn't where you could count on it on the fifth month of the year or the twelfth month of the year, but I don't know if they heard that we did another MRI for Ben. Ben's had so many MRIs that his brain actually shines. It's just... But God always provided those things. Now, I'm not saying that to say if you give, God will double your offering or anything. I'm just telling you that God has a way of making things. So I learned that as it says later in that verse in, in 2 Corinthians 9, that, that God has blessings that oftentimes aren't financial blessings, but he gives blessings that are beyond your expectations. And as I look out at you, I would have to say in 29 years, and you get to hear two of the three stories, that the blessings that we have felt are sitting among us. That even if I can't report and say that somehow we didn't have to dip deeper in or you know, go on Medicare or no Medicaid or anything else, that the greatest blessings that we've experienced are you. So I see that and go, God, you are so good. So I'm going to have to make the third story shorter because I'm going to run out of time otherwise. So we're at a new point in life. God has taken rich, good, rich care of us. We have, uh, with Ursula working, uh, we've been able to do so much more uh, in terms of both with the boys and with being generous. But we're kind of at a different point in our life. So I'm, I, we've reached from you know $50 a month to 13000 a year to 29000 a year. And now we're at a point where we're actually able to invest and do things. But, and this is what I want you to kind of capture, if I could tell you the whole story. I get all this stuff saying, how are you going to live for your retirement? How are you going to take care of yourself? And I actually throw that all away because I don't care. I'm married to a woman who can live on a shoestring, who doesn't care to buy stuff. We don't need that much. But what I think about is how can I be generous in my retirement? How can I continue to give to Resurrection, who's given so much to us? How can I help because of the generosity of my parents and grandparents? How can I continue to appropriately help young men and women, as far as my, my daughter-in-law, my sons? How, we love our daughter-in-law more than sons, by the way. That's kind of the pecking order. Daughter-in-law, well, actually dog, and then sons. But, but how do you see life through the eyes of generosity? Now, you may look at that and say, Pastor Steve, that makes no sense to me. And I, I'm not saying it should. I'm just saying that's kind of where we're at. And so uh, a couple of verses that come to mind, and we'll kind of pull this together. Things I've learned. One is that 2 Corinthians is that that intentionality. He begins by saying in verse 6 of chapter 9, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. 
whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each must give as he has decided in his heart. Now, he doesn't say where you're sowing, by the way. It doesn't, it does not say where, but it does have a great lesson. If we're intentional, where we put our intention, whether it's with our kids or whether it's with our job, whether it's with our lives spiritually, whether it's with the mission of God, wherever we are intentional, that is where we will see produce. And God wants to produce in us with our families and our job and, and all parts of our life, but that we have to have an intentionality because when he says, each must now also give as he has decided, what God does is open up this wonderful, gracious passage here by saying this, don't do it reluctantly or under compulsion. And that's been one of the most freeing things for me is that there's not this law that I'm trying to live under that I ask how much, how little, but just simply looking at it that God is a giver of all things and he just says to me, listen, I'm giving these things to you. Be intentional about how you go about this. Don't live like the person in the old you know, game where you push the thing and the ball's just flying all over the place. Be intentional. Be thinking through because whether it's saving in your young years and giving, and understanding what you're living on, all that intentionality has a result as you get through that. And I'm not going to stand here and puff my chest out and say, it's all because of us. It is not. God has been good. Thank you also for this. We would not be able to stand today and even be thinking about retirement if it was not for your generosity not just on a daily, regular basis, but we could not have gotten our nose through Harvey without your love and being God's hand of care. If I haven't said it often enough, thank you. But 2 Corinthians just tells us that this is what God is about, that he is abounding in all these things. What else? Another passage, Malachi 3. This one just always almost shocks me, but he says, but you ask, so just put my name. So you ask, Steve, how are we robbing you, God? And he says, in tithes and offerings, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. He's talking there about the, the temple, the church. And then he says this, and this again, I believe is not a, uh, so much only a test me, do this and give, but just look back and see, test me this, go back and see my faithfulness. That is a gracious word of saying, just recount and remember where I have been taking care of you, that God is big enough and gracious enough. And when he says here that I will pour out so many blessings, there's not going to be room enough to store it. Again, I look at you. And I say, there's not enough blessings to count for who you are and how you have been that blessing of God to us. Have we had financial blessings? Yes. Do they compare to the people in our lives? No way. But then when I go about asking how to give, I realize, God, I can trust you to bring the small things in life like money, but the bigger things in life, which is people, and bless our lives. And Ursula and I pinch ourselves. I don't let her pinch me. We pinch ourselves every day. Because this could only be a God thing. 
Then Luke, chapter 12, Pastor Ted brought up this week, and it's a man, you've heard about him. Um, this one brother came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want you to make my brother share my inheritance. And Jesus said, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And so he goes into the story of the man who owned great fields and barns. He tore down the big barns, the barns to build bigger barns so he could store his surplus. And then he said to himself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And what was the problem with that statement? Was it a problem that he was being so successful with his fields? No. Was the problem with him building bigger barns and being prepared to deal with what God had given him? No. Was his problem that he could even retire? No. His problem was this, is he says, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. He was focusing on the only God of his life was him. He had put God completely out of it, and he says, this is how it is, is a man's life is lost in that moment. He ate, he drank, and he was merry, and then he died. You know, the old statement out of Ecclesiastes and elsewhere. And so he talks about being rich toward God. And so when I look at that, there's just several things that come to my mind when you look at those passages. One is to begin by seeing the grace of God and the foundation we have and the blessings of God as being more than financial. Two is to put our life as early as we can. And sometimes, I know some of you have done this, we've all done this, we've made mistakes and made the abundance of things so much that we're paying the piper over and over again and to get ourselves in a place where we're more in line with God than more in line with ourselves. Prayer. You know, how does God move my heart and your heart for what he wants and not just what's comfortable for me? Trust your history. Trust your history with God. He promised grace. He doesn't put up a ladder to say, here's what I'm expecting from you. I think the ladder reminds us of how faithful he's been throughout every step of the way. And help us, Lord, to be thankful and see all the blessings that you have for us. Four, planning is good. Intentionality is wonderful because God has given us great minds and great opportunities. How should we not be thinking about our giving to God, our preparation for the future, our blessing on family, and simply get caught up in what do I need today? If we're not planning, if we're not intentional, we can't really be giving in the ways that God wants us to give, nor can we be living in the ways that God wants us to live. And when you're intentional where you will start, you know, if you, what you reap is what you will sow, you, you will end up at the end with what you want. And I think what all of us are looking for is a couple things. One is an eternal relationship with God because of his grace that he has planned from the beginning of time. How he was intentional about that. How he sowed his son into this world. How we are reaping the forgiveness and that we also would be sowing into the world of relationships. Who are the people that God is casting you into to be intentional about those relationships? Parents, if you're not teaching your children about the use of money, who will? 
If you're not exchanging with them as they get older your mistakes and then God's blessings to get you through that, how will they know? If we don't celebrate together the mission that we have and wait for some magical person somewhere to take care of it, then how are we going to be more intentional about our intentional God? So there you go. Lucky you, I had a fourth story, but it's way late for that. But that's some of my stories. You have stories, don't you? Some aren't so good. Some might be wrestling through damage and stuff that you've been trying to dig out from under for years and years. Some of your financial stories might be phenomenal, but your relationship stories are just really sucking wind right now. Where are you sowing your life? Let's be intentional. Father in heaven, we give thanks to you. We thank you for your goodness in Jesus. We thank you that hopefully stories and just sharing is a way for us to understand better and also become a greater blessing to the people you've given to us in our lives and that we've given us to in their lives. Help us to understand this in a better way and be more thought-filled and intentional about everything we do, including our giving. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.